Welcome to The Prime of Our Lives, a podcast about navigating expat life and pop culture in our 30s. I'm Katie Logan. And I'm Polly Kwok. Prime of our lives. We're here. We're doing it. Should we tell our listeners what we mean by prime of our lives? Yes. Do you want to go first, Katie? No. <laughs> well, this really came to mind for me was when we were talking about a coworker at work and we were talking about who we think is in their prime right now. Like who is living life, rocking everything, superwoman vibes. Um, mm. And I thought, you know what? Obviously, she totally is and continues to be in her prime and superwoman vibes. But I feel like we could be in our prime. And I think I, I looked up the definition around what in our prime actually means. And obviously, it's quite vague. And I feel like it works. Yeah, I think it's like a, it's a state of mind, isn't it? It's yeah. about... Yeah, I think we wanted to put together a podcast where we kind of celebrate all the random things that we are interested in and obsessed with at any given moment. And the I think especially right now um, in our current situation, basically being in lockdown, um, like the, the ways that we are making the most of our lives and living our lives to the fullest, uh, whatever that looks like right now. Yeah. So before we start off, Polly, I feel like we should give our listeners a bit of background on who we are. Excellent. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so hi, everybody. My name's Katie. I am from the United States, but I'm currently living in London. I work in public health um, and actually in about a month. I am going to be moving to Italy, and in 2021, I'm going to be based in Milan. So, some exciting times coming up for me. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I'm Polly. Um, originally from Canada, and I now currently live in the UK and also work in public health with Katie. So, that's how we met. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a Commonwealth citizen, I guess, because I was born in Australia, I think a lot of people think for some reason I have an Australian accent, but I don't. I have this fusion Canadian British thing going on. And I my I'm originally my family's from Hong Kong. So I'm like a Hong Kong, Australian, Canadian, British living person. <laughs> a true citizen of the world. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. I think that's pretty normal nowadays, I think, for people to move around a lot because especially in between Commonwealth countries. Yeah. But yeah, so that's us. Yeah. And so I just want to give our listeners a bit of a caveat or a warning that for both of us at the moment, one of our absolute favorite things is K-pop and K-drama. <laughs> so we're going to be spending a lot of time, I think, in future episodes talking about K-dramas. Um and we think you should still listen, even if you don't necessarily watch a K-drama or if you if you haven't heard of the K-pop bands we're talking about, um, maybe give it a try. And we think we'll, you'll still like our podcast. <laughs> so keep listening. Yes. 
And I'm sure we'll get obsessed about other non-K-pop, K-drama things, especially when we are nearing Christmas time. Yeah, lots of exciting content to come. Okay. Yes. So today we're going to talk about things that are in their prime for us, what we're watching right now. We're going to talk about mandatory military service in Korea, and we're going to get to know each other with some random questions to both Polly and myself, and we're going to set our prime goals for the week. Let's get it. Let's get it. Speaking of that, then, what have you been doing, reading, watching? Yes. So for our opening segment every week, um, we want to talk about what are we enjoying in its prime at the moment. So it could be a book, a movie, news article, or a hobby. Um, But I know that this week we are both going to talk about TV shows. So... I will happily go first because I just got an alert on my phone that the next episode is ready on Netflix and I cannot wait to watch. It is Record of Youth. I have already put this on my blog. Um, I wasn't really sure about it at first because it seems like it was... It almost looked like a coming-of-age K-drama, which I find that I don't gravitate towards as much, maybe because I'm not coming-of-age. However, I feel like I've been really reeled in. I'm still not used to this weekly release episode situation. This reminds me Mm -hmm. of Crash Landing, which was really, really hard. Um, So hard. But I have been introduced to Park Bogam, who is so adorable. And I think, I mean, the plight of the storyline, not to give anything away, is about the struggling lives of models, actors, and makeup artists, which, I mean, I guess there's obviously a real side to it, but, I mean, I sound horrible, but I don't really have that much sympathy. (laughs) Because it sounds like a pretty cool gig. Um, But obviously, you know, fictional TV show. I think the other thing that I really liked is... I mean, I've liked more and more now is watching K-dramas with a friend. Shout out to Claudia mm-hmm. if you're listening. Because you kind of just want... I, I think that's the thing with COVID is like, if you're watching something by yourself, that's great. But there's something about chatting about it and like reflecting on it and like having a conversation to talk about it between episodes that really adds to the experience. I've done that with you on Crash Landing, my other friend, yeah. um, for The King, especially because it was just so confusing towards the end of that series. But for mm-hmm. this one, we were just... Because she is definitely a way more experienced K-drama viewer than I am. She definitely can sense... You get a sixth sense about where the plot is going. So you're mm-hmm. approaching episode eight and you're like, something bad's going to happen And if it doesn't, it will happen soon because it can't just continue on this happy, super cute, adorable couple situation all the way to episode 16 because they were dropping a lot of hints of unsuccessful relationships. So, yeah, that is where I'm at. I'm on episode, I think, 11. The other thing with K-dramas is you're like, it's 16 episodes. There won't be any more. There won't be any less. So you're just kind of gearing yourself up to nearing the end at some point. Yeah. 
And Parkville Gum, fun fact, BFS with V. Um, obviously, a super fun fact because we all know who my bias is from BTS. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's a lot of cameos. So you've got the Park So Jun from Itaewon Class, who made a cameo recently. And the lead actress in Weightlifting Fairy, I think, is going to make another cameo later on. And I think, you know, as you spotted, Katie, I didn't realize so many cameos happened in K-dramas. I, yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't think I had any or enough knowledge to recognize it earlier on. But No, I mean, neither of us when we were watching Crash Landing were expert enough at all to recognize those cameos but they also they made them really explicit and it's okay to not be okay they like they thanked the actor who made the cameo in each episode at the end oh I didn't even notice yeah. that I'm I did of course <laughs> so you then did. I was googling all of them to see like why I should have known them I didn't know any of them but yeah I think yeah. the other part is this is part of this k-drama discovery journey I'm kind of glad I didn't know all these things about Crash Landing because when I watch it again, circa one year that it's been going, I'll be like, oh, new discoveries. Also, sad fact, I've noticed that as I was watching episode two, Google Googled Park Bogum and he enlisted in the military. <sighs> oh, he did just now? Just now. He's got like this current... No. So at the beginning of the release. So I think this was a few weeks ago now. But I just Googled him going, oh, because usually I like an actor in a K-drama, then I Google him or her and then watch their other series. Yeah. And then I realize he's just enlisted and this happens to me every single time. <laughs> Sad face. But he does have another one coming up. So. Oh, he got another one in before he before Yes, he, goes. he did. Although I kind of now know that all the promo he's doing for this was like recorded eons ago. Because obviously yeah. he can't be live because he is fully in the military. Um, what is it about him that is so charming? I think, I mean, you and I use this word a lot, but the duality. <laughs> I mean, one minute he's like super romantic, super cute, like to his grandfather and to his girlfriend in the show. And then next minute he acts and plays this like chable mafia evil killer with like no smile on his face and beating someone up Ooh, wait he's actually in the mafia well i mean spoiler alert if you're planning to watch record of youth but no he acts as though he's in the mafia okay i love a mafia romance i know it is definitely not a mafia romance so you'd be (laughs) severely disappointed if you went into it thinking that but yeah, I think it's the duality and he's a very sweet smile. Oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it, but I'll probably wait until all the episodes are out so I can binge it in like two days. Yeah, that's a smart move. Um, what are you watching at the moment? Okay, so mine is over, but I've got a bit of a rant. I wrote it out. Hold on. Let me pull this up. Okay. So I have been dying to talk to someone about this. I think it goes back to what you were saying about um, the joy of watching something together or appreciating something together. I think, you know, side note, even for me, like I've known about, for example, BTS and K-dramas and stuff um, 
for years and years. But I think until you and I really talked, started talking about it, I never really had someone to get excited about these things with. And so um, it just makes such a difference to be able to talk to somebody about shows and things. But I have no one to talk to about this show. So I'm going to talk to you about it. <laughs> okay, it's The 100. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And it just ended um, season seven. It ended at episode 100. And it was an absolute train wreck. Like so. Lost train wreck? I have never watched Lost. I've never watched Lost either. But I heard it was like <laughs> horrific. I would say this is like, I mean, for me, a comparison is it's Game of Thrones level train wreck in the last Uh, season i've also not watched game of thrones but i have heard the ending is terrible yeah 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 so have you actually watched a few episodes eh? yeah so i did watch i think the first episode because it is on amazon prime Mm -hmm. um but i feel like this is definitely a your cup of tea tv show (laughs) like it really is kind of hunger games vibe kind of sci-fi vibe I mean, lots of characters. It almost kind of reminds me of a YA version of like Walking Dead vibes. Yeah. So I guess um, some background on the show. Um, it's on the CW in the United States, which is like where all of your teeny angsty supernatural shows are. So all of my faves, Supernatural, Vampire Diaries, Arrow, like it's right in that genre. Um, and I think like, if you look at some of the BuzzFeed articles, like what are the best CW shows, usually, or for a while there, the 100 was usually considered one of the best shows on this network. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's kind of like the Hunger Games. It's a post-apocalyptic future. Um, the Earth has been destroyed by nuclear war and the re- remains of the human race is like orbiting the Earth in a space station. <laughs> of course. Um, Obviously. So they're running out of oxygen. So they send 100 juvenile delinquents to Earth to see if it's survivable. And that's like the premise of the show. So it is kind of like the Hunger Games. It is a little bit like Lord of the Flies, but it really becomes something really interesting, especially in the first couple of seasons. There's a lot of like, uh, I don't, I mean, kind of meditations on like, what it means to be human, like what is the difference between good and bad and like what what do you do when good people are put in situations that force them to make impossible decisions um, and then how do they live with those decisions? It's some really serious stuff going on and it's done in, in a way that is appealing to teenagers. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's just so good. It's just so, so good. But... After the first couple of seasons, there were kind of a series of dramas with the show um, that has made it go downhill. To begin with, there was like, there was a female-female romance in the center of the show, um, and they killed off one of those characters during season three, and people got really upset, and they lost a lot of fans after that. And then you know, people just thought some of the storylines were weaker after that, but I really liked the third season. And then the two lead characters, oh my gosh, Polly, I could talk about this forever. You have to like- I'm sure you can. I can tell. (laughs) Okay, so the two main characters, their names are Clark and Bellamy. And the actors who play these characters have chemistry that is off the charts. Like such, such, such strong chemistry. But the showrunner decided 
he was going to insist that these characters are just platonic best friends and they were never going to be together. Um, there was nothing romantic happening. They were just best friends. Um, but there was so much sexual tension and it was kind of like the showrunners were like toying with the fans because all the fans wanted the characters to get together. The actors have amazing chemistry. And then the showrunner was like, no, 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 nothing's going to happen. And then nothing kept happening. And so they just kept ramping up the tension. And I think the, it came to a peak at the end of season four. And then we were all waiting with bated breath for season five. And it just totally went off the rails after that. And they just kept torturing and killing off characters and they wouldn't let these actors be together in the show. They actually got married. <laughs> so the chemistry is like so Wait, wait, obvious. wait. The two lead, like the two characters with loads of chemistry got married in real life. Yeah, in real life. No way. Yeah. So like, obviously there was something romantic there that we could all see, right? Yeah. And I just think, I mean, I can't even talk about the most recent season. It was absolutely terrible. Like it went from, I didn't like season five or season six, but when I would watch the episodes, I would be like, Mickey, Mickey's my husband. <laughs> I'd be like, you have to be quiet. I'm watching my show. Like I need you to be absolutely silent so I can enjoy this moment. And then during season seven, I was like yelling at the TV, like throwing things. It was like so bad. So, so bad. But I think that, I mean, I guess it's just interesting to me how a show can implode so spectacularly. And I also think it's, um, it kind of reflects like this, like disrespect for young female fans that I think a lot of a certain type of entertainment professional has. And it's like young female fans are obsessed with things. And even, you know, female fans in their 30s, <laughs> like us, are obsessed with things. And we see things, like we pay attention and you pick up on things and you're passionate about things, like the chemistry between these two characters. And then it just feels like really disrespectful to be like, oh, I'm going to be cooler than that. And I'm not going to let them be together just to be edgy and like not be, um, not give in to pressure from the fans. And when you decide to do something like that, um, the show just really went off the rails and ended disastrously. Yeah. And so I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> if someone's not seen The 100, right? Yeah. And want to watch it, now that yes. you've seen all 100 episodes, yeah. at what point do you think someone should stop watching to save their sanity? Okay. So I would recommend that you watch it, but you only watch seasons one to four. And then go online and find a fan fiction. <laughs> oh, okay. And find a satisfactory fan fiction. Th to there's not the a series. huge cliffhanger at the end of episode there is. season four. There's a huge cliffhanger at the end of season four. Right. Um, but don't, don't even bother with season five. Like find someone online who's written a better version of how you want it to end oh. and read that instead. Okay. Well, that's good insight. I mean, I'm currently... Not in the market for a sci-fi, I guess, people on an island trying to figure out a solution for oxygen. But yeah. I feel <laughs> like I could see it being like a... Because all the episodes are obviously now on. I could see myself getting into it if I watched a few. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. It's really, really good. The first four seasons. 
what are you going to fill your one, the 100 gap with is my question. Oh, good question. Um, I don't know. To be honest, it's been so bad the last two seasons that yeah. it, it really doesn't occupy that much space in my heart anymore. You're not going to, you don't have the 100 withdrawal. No. That in some ways that is good. What more? Can I tell you a really embarrassing thing that I used to do when I was a kid? Please, please do. Okay. <laughs> so I like compulsively reread and rewatch things. Um, I think it's like a manifestation of my anxiety where I like to know how things end. So I like to reread and rewatch things. I mean, when I say reread, I mean like a ridiculous amount of times. Like I think I've seen Lord of the Rings at least 50 times. Dang. Extended edition yeah. or normal edition? Normal, normal edition. Okay. But um, there were these series of books that I read as a kid. And I had this theory that every other time I read them, I would be really sad when they ended because I would want to spend more time with the characters or like live in that world. But only every other time. So what I would do is I would finish it like the second time, for example, and I would be really sad. So then I would just read it again really quickly. And then that time, because it was the third time, yeah. I wouldn't be sad. But then the next time I read it, it would be the fourth time. So it's an even number. So I'd be sad again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then I'd have to read it again really quickly. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a cyclical reading process. Because obviously if you're sad and you want to read it really quickly and then you're not sad, does that end your cycle? Or do you go like just continuously read the book for a very long time? I think it was probably the latter. Oh, I see. Okay. The last time I did that, actually, I now I'm thinking about all my behaviors. Wow, this is going to turn into a therapy session. We can cut all of this. But when I moved to the UK in 2016, yeah. um, I was so nervous and I wasn't really letting myself think about like being sad to leave my life in New York City or like say goodbye to all my friends and like quit my job and move across an ocean. And I wasn't letting myself think about that. Um, so instead I was just reading the Vampire Academy books over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> that was turned into a movie, wasn't it? It was. I love that movie. Yeah, it is pretty good, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah. yeah. And did you apply the same odd-even approach? No, the odd-even okay. thing didn't really happen, but I was like compulsively reading the same six books over and over again. I see. I'm actually the, I mean, coming, we'll come back to this, I'm sure, in our future podcasts being almost the complete opposite of you in a lot of ways sometimes. I am the opposite. I It takes a lot for me to re-watch or re-read anything. Really? Yeah, and I think it's because I don't want to take away from the initial experience. And I think it depends, though. Like, there's some things where once you know the ending, like you go back and you kind of can pick up on the nuance because you're less focused about, oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Yeah. But generally, I don't go back to things. I mean, yeah, I, there are very few movies I can count, count by hand how many I've seen repeatedly. Wow. Yeah. 
which is why I'm leaving a one-year gap to go back to Crash Landing. I mean, I feel like it's definitely worth a rewatch, but I don't know. I feel like maybe the other part is is just me being greedy. There's just so many things that I want to watch that I don't feel like I need to rewatch things I've seen before. Yeah. Except for like Love Actually and... Christmas movies. Yeah. I feel like that's a different, it's like a classic vibe. Yeah. Which is slightly different, but it's really interesting though. Yeah, it is interesting that we're so different on that. But the other part is that must make you a very loyal reader slash watcher of certain things. (laughs) I am exactly the target audience. Yeah, because I, I think maybe just like with food, I get really obsessed for a certain period of time. And I like, I mean, hashtag malt loaf era, which I then introduced our friend Effie to. I ate malt loaf nonstop. Every time I saw it, I bought it. I ate it all day. And then I hated it. Like I couldn't stand the sight <laughs> of it. And then I haven't eaten it for years. So Polly, what is malt loaf? <laughs> For those of you who are listening in North America, which is likely most of you, (laughs) malt loaf is like chewy bread. It's very densely packed. It kind of reminds me of like cinnamon raisin bread, but there's no cinnamon and there's no raisin. raisin. (laughs) But it's like chewy. I think for me, texture is everything. So... It's chewy because like bread is usually really soft. I like unless you get like a sourdough or something. So it's like really chewy. It doesn't go bad as quickly as normal bread. It's a little bit malty. But even if you don't like malt, like our friend Effie, shout out to Effie. Hello. Um, She still she recently told me she loves malt loaf. And I think the other thing is the key is to slice it and then put a thick layer of butter on top. Okay. And I like my butter cold. Hmm? Is it good with Marmite? Oof. I don't know. I'm not a Marmite fan. Are Mm. you a Marmite fan? I am. Ooh, another opposite to add to the list. (laughs) It just, I think I've only had, to be fair, I've never had Marmite, just the smell of it. But I've had Vegemite and I remember having it on toast when I stayed with a friend who's, friend that she was seeing was Australian and it just tasted like salty soy sauce yeah I think that that's an accurate description (laughs) yeah and I just the idea of having it on bread just doesn't mm. but maybe if you're like a big salty sweet person I feel like Mm. you could trial doing it on malt loaf but I don't usually toast my malt loaf I like it chewy and I like the cold butter on it it almost tastes like clotted cream oh my gosh this sounds decadent it sounds decadent we should share a malt loaf next time when we go on this podcast yeah I'm gonna get some yeah there are Mm. different malt loaf flavors I haven't ventured into I'm a very purist with my malt loaf approach so I always get original but you can also get individual packed pre-buttered if you're in a hurry you're always good for like the insights into British culture I mean, I fully immersed myself. Let's yeah. put it that way. But there are some things I, I mean, I even like black pudding. Wow. Yeah. That's for another day. 
that's a yeah. whole discussion for another day. I think we're moving on to our next segment. Do 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 do. How are you? Whoop whoop. This is where we talk about all things Hallie U. Brief background, why is it called Hallie U? It's spelled H-A-L-L-Y-U. Turns out it is a Chinese word, which stands for literally Korean wave. So this is where we're going to chat about all things Korean, which is very, very in right now. Like K-beauty, K-dramas, K-pop, and K-movies which Katie and I have been very much into at the moment and is very hot right now. So if we start dropping things like talking about BTS, this is, I guess, part of our journey through the Hallyu wave. And we are just obsessed, I think is the best term for it. Yeah. Um, Obsessed, but not experts. Exactly. And I think part of the joy is trying to discover all these different things we didn't know. So yeah, I think it would have been, it's like sometimes it's like reading a book. It's like listening to an artist. You kind of wish you were discovering it again because it was so good the first time. So I feel mm. like we're doing it the first time. I think for me, one of the really interesting things about this is it really highlights like a frustration of mine growing up in the middle of America for 21 years of my life, um, which is that, my, like the cultures I was exposed to were really narrow in school and on the radio and, you know, in film, on TV. Um, I really only ever saw and heard like British and American uh, culture. And even in school only really learned about European history. So there's so much that I don't know. And like the fact that there's this whole industry full of like, layers upon layers of cultural, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like, there's so, like, there's so much history for the country, (laughs) but also like for the industry. So like, they're referring to things that happened like 30 years ago in film and music that like, I have no context for because I have never like been aware of it until like three years ago. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're so excited to talk about this section that we're both kind of just rambling. (laughs) But this week we are talking about military service. Yeah. I don't know why. I think, I mean, I'm obsessed with politics. um, And I just find the concept of uh, mandatory military service so fascinating. And I think the impact that mandatory military service has on the careers of these like k-pop and k-drama stars and idols um is really interesting so um i pulled a few articles here um that looked at i mean obviously there are a lot of things um to talk about but i think the main things um like relevant to us today obviously there's bts um and this kind of specter of mandatory military service that is hanging over their heads. Um, And then some of our favorite actors are currently doing their military service, as you mentioned at the beginning. Um, And then, yeah, just kind of what to expect post-military service um, in terms of a career. Uh, So some examples of of what people have done. 
following their military service. Interesting that it's men only who have to do mandatory military service in Korea. So this really only affects male actors and idols. Yeah, and I feel like some Korean actors, I mean, less with idols, because I feel like because they start so young, they can't really do military before they get into, you know, the trainee program and get debuted. But with some K-drama actors like Park So Jun, he kind of went in quite early. So it's okay to not be okay. No, he was in Itaewon class. And he is opposite um, our favorite, Park Hyun-sik, in Hwarang. So he's, I don't know, but he is in the Wooga squad with V and Park (laughs) Hyun-sik. I'm probably butchering all their names, so I apologize for anyone who speaks Korean. Um, Because I do not, obviously. But yeah, he, he yeah. kind of has already gone and done it. And I guess most of the series, he's now kind of taken, he's been in a lot of series since. So I feel like some mm-hmm. people are kind of doing it first and then doing the actor thing. I think my friend was just telling me the K-pop band Shinny, they had a few coming back to K-pop and people going into the military then. They had a few members go in and some are just coming out now. And then some kind of the ones that haven't gone are doing a lot of their solo projects while the group, like some of the group is in military. So it'll be very interesting when the day comes for BTS members to enlist, how it would work. And it's funny we talk about this because in Record of Youth, they talk about actors enlisting and trying to figure out when to do so. Really? Because, um... Obviously, the main character is trying to be an actor and he's trying to decide whether to delay his enlistment or not. Because obviously, from what I know, you ha- you can only have so many times you can delay your enlistment before you have to go. So I think some dr- K-drama actors would want to get to their kind of peak or win some awards or kind of really put their name in the stars before they go. Because I think they were talking about, or if they're not really making it very big right now, maybe go and then come back and try hard after. Yeah, because I think there are a few examples of actors who have really gotten a lot more popular after their military service. So thanks. So from It's Okay to Not Be Okay, Kim Soo-yeon, I think he doubled, I think his, um, I'm saying I think a million times, walls. he doubled his price per episode before and after military service. So even though he was a big star before he did his military service, uh, when he came out, somehow he was able to double his asking fee per episode. So now he's by far the highest paid actor um, in 2020. Interesting. The highest Mm. paid. Yeah. Huh. Maybe. He made like 2.5 million for It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Wow. I mean, I'm also watching his other series right now. My love from the stars because I was inspired. Is it weird? It sounds weird. I think the premise is a bit odd, but then again, I feel like I don't come into any with come into a K drama with any preconceived notions because so many K drama plots are really weird. 
Yeah. Like it's like ghosts. So, (laughs) so slash unplausible. And some of the flashbacks, I mean, they always get the same, like the actual actors playing themselves in high school. And you're like, there's no way they look like that in high school. So I feel like there's so many unplausible things in K-dramas. But apparently that, like my mom knew about this series. She was saying that he was really famous from this one. So yeah, I think Um, that's true. Yeah. And Hyun Bin from Crash Landing, apparently he became super popular after his military service as well. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's the whole like distance makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. And also, I mean, there has to be like some sort of sense of like maturity that comes from that experience. Like Hyun Bin was very good as a North Korean, supposed, supposed North Korean soldier. I mean, I feel like some of that could have been a reflection of his military experience. Maybe that's what made it so good. Okay. So, I mean, the main thing we wanted to talk about with regards to military service is when is Park Hyung-sik getting out of military and what is he going to do and when can we see him on our TVs? Yes, like, as soon yes, as possible, please. And yes. <laughs> what have you found? Is he coming out um, soon? So I think he's done in November. So he should, he should be out soon. Very exciting. Um, yeah. And I guess based on recent actors who have left... Um, who have finished their military service, what we should expect are a few cameos from him in upcoming TV shows. And then, I mean, depending on how COVID goes, I guess, and if they're actually filming things, like maybe he could be in something by the end of next year. Oof. Well, I shall go back and watch his... Um, apparently, he was also in The Heirs, or as Netflix call it, The Inheritors, as a side character. Okay. So I like Suits, Polly. Yes, I know you do. Has it grown? It's worth it. It's worth it for him. <laughs> Is it? Maybe I'll watch it and just bypass all the scenes without him in it. Definitely. I think that's totally fair. Well, maybe on this podcast, we should have a Park Hyung-sik watch to figure out when he's coming out of the military and onto our screens. I love that. We can keep our listeners updated. I'm sure they're equally as invested as us at this point. Yeah, so invested. (laughs) Love it. Um. Okay, so every week we'd like to feature an interview with someone who can shed some light on a topic we're finding interesting that week or who has a story we think is really interesting um, and that we want to explore with them. Um, So this week we we thought we would start off pretty simple, interview each other so that our many listeners can get to know us and hear more about our backgrounds and our stories and how we met. So Polly, um, I think maybe you have questions written down and you can ask them of me and then I will just copy you and ask you the same questions. Sounds good. Okay, Katie, here are my rapid fire get to know you questions. Okay, first of all, what is your MBTI and do you think it relates to you at all? 
Yeah, I'm INFJ. I think it's very me. Um, do you are you a lover of surprises or are you a hater of surprises? I think I might be surprise neutral. Ooh, intriguing. Why? Yeah, you I don't, don't need them. But you would like it. I don't actually don't think that I would like it. No, <laughs> I don't like surprises. <laughs> okay, then. Um, if you were a superhero, what powers would you have? Teleportation. Good one. Um, tropical vacation or somewhere cold on holiday? Oh, well, I mean, for me, somewhere cold. Like I'm more of like a sightseer okay. than a relaxer. Okay. Uh, but I do see the value in the occasional relaxing holiday. Um, are you a glass half full or glass half empty kind of person? Well, it probably depends on the moment in general. I think glass half full. Okay, next question. What form of public transport do you prefer? Train. Train. Does it have to be a fast train or just train generally? No, any train. I'm obsessed with trains. Interesting. <laughs> what is your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. American Thanksgiving. Yeah, obviously. No, Canadian Thanksgiving. Is it because, be so weird. Why, why is it your favorite? <laughs> um, I like everything about it. It's like perfect weather for me. It's sweater weather. Um, I love cooking. So a holiday centered around spending all day cooking and then eating and then a few days off like in the middle of a week I love that and I really just like being with family at that time and then afterwards you get to put up Christmas lights it's like all things good that sounds awful awful I was gonna say awesome and then I said awful instead maybe this is <laughs> I don't know why I said that, because I actually love Thanksgiving too. Um, okay, a few more then. Uh, do you like or hate roller coasters? I like them, but actually, now that I'm old, I don't know if I would enjoy them as much. I feel like I would get motion sickness. Oh, but you don't normally get motion sickness. No, but last year or the year before, there was one of those like swing, spinning swing rides. Um mm in South Bank and Mickey and I did it and I did not feel well after that experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you had a period in your life where you could do those things. I don't think I've ever had that <laughs> at all. Uh -huh. um, okay. Um, what's your favorite color? Green. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have chosen green for you, but if I had to choose... Um, and what is your favorite board game? I know it's really hard. Or one of, if you play board games. Do you play board games? Yeah. One I always liked growing up is the game of life. Oh, classic. It is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, okay. Have I grilled you enough? Do you want some more questions? No, I think that's good. Okay. Okay. What makes you laugh the most? At the moment, anything to do with BTS. Honestly, I don't know why. I mean, I, 
I feel like as an adult, you laugh, like genuinely laugh a lot less. There's, mm. I think things you see that are funny is like, ha ha funny, or like a chuckle or a smile. I mean, I don't laugh very hard at like stand-up comics and stuff. For some reason, it's just like, I think it's very clever the way they use wordplay and make tell jokes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sometimes, like sometimes, I think a lot of Asian American comedians speak about things that are very relatable. So it is funny, but I'm not like rolling on the floor laughing from it. I think it takes okay. a lot for me. I mean, with BTS, I just giggle like crazy and I don't know why. But <laughs> because they're adorable. I think it is. I th- and the thing is, slapstick doesn't always do it for me either. Like it's, it's not because I yeah. need like a lot of physical humor. I just, it's just a certain type of humor. So I think that's okay. reflected in the kind of movies that I find funny. Because so many times people are like, oh, that was so funny. I'm like, was it? anyway okay next question which would you rather do wash dishes mow the lawn clean the bathroom or vacuum the house Ooh, good one i would vacuum the house i don't like doing bathrooms like all of those things i will do but bathrooms is my least favorite dishes I think in order of preference, I would vacuum the house so I can mow the lawn, even though I'm pretty sure I have a grass pollen allergy, and then dishes, then bathroom, which is a very, is reflected in the type of chores I do at home. <laughs> yeah, I think I would wash dishes. Really? Yeah. That's very V of you to want, to like to wash dishes. <laughs> wow. Does he like washing dishes? Yes. He thinks he's like the master of dishwashing because in the group, him and Namjoon are the only ones who can't or who has a very limited repertoire in cooking. So they always end okay. up with dish duty, but he loves okay. it. Okay. So. All right. Good for him. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's, you know, if you, you need a dishwasher in a group, otherwise you can't have everyone cooking and no dish, dish, dish clean. So. That is true. That's yeah. very true. Who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? Ooh, Gemma Chan. I love Gemma Chan. Oh, good choice. She's like super pretty, (laughs) super good at acting and very slim. Obviously not like, I mean, I've rewatched Crazy Rich Asians recently and she does seem very skinny in that. But like, I've also seen Maggie Q and things and she's really skinny as well so maybe like a not super skinny version of Gemma Chan okay yeah okay I love that for you yeah I can see that yeah I mean we look nothing alike but (laughs) but, you know who knows the possibilities are endless I mean I think she's a pretty solid choice or Aquafina I also really like her Um, oh yeah yeah there's to be honest there's in recent years, there's been a lot of really great Asian American actors, actresses, or Asian Canadian. Sandra yeah. Oh would be great. Love Sandra Oh. Yeah, Sandra Oh. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm actually spoiled for choice recently. I have to say, like, if you asked me this 10 years ago, I mean, Sandra Oh was still around, but there wasn't, there wasn't as many. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that crazy rich Asians wave. Okay, 
Um, let's see. What is the most unusual thing you've ever eaten? Ooh, that's really hard. I feel like you ask an Asian person this and a lot of things that I think are quite nice, people think are unusual. So it's hard to say. I mean, the mm. most unusual. Mm. Is it something, should I say something that people don't normally eat or... I think it's really hard. I mean, I, I like tribe. People don't like tribe, but people eat it all the time. I just, yeah. That's true. Or I would, I like to eat, I've eaten snake. I've eaten like pig intestines. Snake? Yeah, it's very, I've seen, so in Hong Kong markets, I don't know if they do that now, but there's live snake areas of the market where they'll take wow. a snake from a tank, chop it up. And give it to you fresh. Is there a lot of meat there? It tastes like chicken. It's usually put in like a soup. I can see that. Like a clear but kind yeah. of thick soup. It's supposed to be really good for you. So, um, Actually, I was doing some research because in Crash Landing for You. Crash Landing for You. Okay. Crash Landing on You. They drink. Um, they've got the North Korean soldiers have that snake wine hidden. So mm. I was researching like what snake wine is. And it's a venomous snake dissolved in alcohol because, like, the alcohol dissolves the poison. Weird. Yeah. And, again, it's meant to have, like, a lot of medicinal properties. But you have to be really careful when you make it because otherwise, you know, you drink poison and you die. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'll say snake. I think that's the okay. most. Great one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something is I would eat on like, the regs, but yeah. <laughs> but in the tank, are they like big snakes? Like I'm just trying no, to envision they're not how big much snakes. meat out of this cut. They're okay. not big snakes. Like I just I All think right. it's just a very vivid memory of like me going with my grandma or my parents to like because they did. I don't know if they do them now. I think they still have some, but it's not as many. Like these open not not Wuhan style there's obviously more exotic mm -hmm. meats there but like there's different stalls you have like open butchers and like you know open there's chickens that they'll kill live then and there for you um yeah. like they'll behead them and I remember seeing beheaded chickens running around like because they don't really die right away I'm such yeah. a bad farm girl. Like I'm from Southern Indiana, but I've never seen any of this. My husband yells at me all the time where he's like, why do you always convince yourself that meat doesn't come from animals? I know. I feel like maybe I'm a bit scarred from seeing all those things that I don't, I like the, I'd like to know, but I don't want to know. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. I want to want to know, but I don't think I actually want to know. Um, but yeah, you see them cut. It's like not a, it's not a really thick snake. And then they cut the head off and mm -hmm. then they skin it right away. Because they'll pull okay. the skin back from, I guess, the head bit to the end. And then they chop it up and it's obviously okay. bloody. And they put it in a bag. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, as long as they do it fast. Yeah, exactly. Boom, boom. There you yeah. go. There you go. Bit of snake. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do one more question. Okay. 
Sorry, I have these really long answers. And I'm going to say, no, no, it's great. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Okay. Um, what celebrity would you like to meet at Starbucks for a cup of coffee? Ooh, that's a really hard one. Mm. I mean, short answer is none of them because I don't ever want to meet a celebrity I actually like. Oh, that is a great point. Great point. It's this whole, like, keep the fantasy alive thing. Even if it's, like, a woman. Like, I just feel like in a coffee date, it's just like meeting any stranger. And I feel like... Unless they want to come on this podcast. Yeah. Unless I'm going on regular coffee dates. Who is your dream podcast guest? Ooh. That is really hard. I'm going to be repping... Asian, North Americans, and I would say it would be really fun to have Aquafina on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it would have to be someone who's like fun kind of naturally. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Balance us out. Yeah. Maybe not (laughs) someone super serious, but I think. Who who would you like to have? Taylor Swift. Yeah. I I don't know. Well... Yeah, I don't know if when I when I meet her, whether she would be like how I imagined her to be. Yeah, but I want to know. Like, yeah. half the time I think that, like, she would be my best friend. And half the time I think that I, like, wouldn't like her. But 100% of the time, I have a million questions for her. So <laughs> The question is, would she answer them? Are they questions she would answer? No, she wouldn't answer them. That's the other thing about anyways. interviews. I think the more I watch interviews, I kind of notice like there's something about asking questions you genuinely want to know, but or asking questions you think they would answer. And I guess that's a question for us as well. <laughs> Maybe it's something that we'll continue to explore as we record more and more episodes. I feel like people will get to know us more over the course of the next couple of episodes. Yeah, so make sure to tune in to us every week and you will learn a lot more about us. So we are down to our final segment, hashtag prime goals. So this is where every week we will come up, well, not, I guess not come up with, but I don't know, well, you don't know, but I am an current, as my husband says, things MBTI changes every day. MBTI meaning Myers-Briggs personality test. My personality suggests that I'm all about long-term planning and therefore it would only make sense for us to have prime goals as part of our podcast. So every week we will share our one goal of the week and it's all about making small changes to really rock our prime. Um, ultimately, it's not going to be something huge, although it could be something huge. I don't know. Depends on the week. Depends on how you feel this week, Katie. Mm. Um, and we will report back. We may or may not meet our goal, but goals are still worth setting. So, Katie, what is your okay. goal this week? So, my goal is to get out of bed earlier. How much earlier? Um, so I don't know if I really want to go into details about (laughs) when I roll out of bed in the morning. No, not specific details, but 
Okay. I think setting a specific goal will help you achieve it more. Is it okay. 10 minutes? Is it 15 minutes? Is no, it no. an hour? It's substantial. <laughs> Is it so, two hours? <laughs> <laughs> by, by the end of the week, I would like to be getting out of bed an hour earlier than I was getting out of bed last week. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Do you think you'll, you'll make it? So I'm, I'd say I'm halfway there already. Nice. Yeah. Sleep is tricky because yeah. the whole sleep debt thing and it, it's definitely a, a slow one to get around to. So Yeah, I think it's, it's twofold for me at the moment. So I got into a really bad habit of staying up too late. Um, my husband was in Milan two weeks ago um, for like a long weekend. And it was the first time I had been by myself really in like seven months and I was a more nervous sleeper than I thought I would be so I had trouble falling asleep and I lost a lot of sleep and then I got into a bad habit of you know staying up too late and then waking up later and then also I'm just finding it hard I mean as I've said multiple times already I'm like not in the best headspace this week but I'm finding it just hard to have the motivation to get out of bed in the morning when Mm. like all I'm doing is walking 10 feet to my laptop. To your office. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Especially since it's colder out as well. I find it harder to get out of bed. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I look That's forward to hearing you achieve it next week. Thanks. What's your prime goal? So coming back to this snacking it in the evenings thing. Coming full circle now. Um, I will attempt to brush my teeth after dinner sooner. Ooh. Therefore, because I'm a very lazy, well, I feel like my spirit animal is a sloth, but some people think otherwise. Um, if I brush my teeth, I will very unlikely eat anything. I mean, I don't really snack in the evenings anymore anyway, but the faff of having to brush my teeth again is limiting. I will definitely yeah. not snack if I know I have to brush my teeth again. That's so a great plan. That is my plan for the week to continue to not snack, but also brush my teeth earlier. So I won't be tempted to snack should I need something while I'm watching a K-drama. Amazing. Yep. I love that. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to In Our Prime. If this is your first podcast episode, welcome. But don't worry, we will be back next week with a new episode on Monday. And in the meantime, you can find us and follow us on Instagram. Um, I'm at The Polygraph, which is my blog. Um, Katie? I am at Katie Logan 12 on Instagram. And, and my YouTube channel is A Book To Go. And we will see you again soon. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.